Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Lighting Design Podcast. This is Isabel. And this is Maha. The title of today's podcast is Circularity in Lighting Design, Strategies to Minimize the Environmental Impact of Lighting Systems. In this episode, we will be talking with Sebastian Knoche about circularity in lighting design. Sebastian holds a doctoral degree in the field of theoretical soft matter physics from TU Dortmund University. In 2015, he left academia to start working in the lighting design industry as the leader of Trilux Lighting Research Team, where one of his roles is to coordinate the participation of Trilux in joint research projects. One of them being Reprolight, a research project that aims to support the European lighting industry in moving towards a more sustainable and competitive future. Today, we will talk with Sebastian about the outcome of the Reprolight project, the lessons learned, and what does sustainability imply in the lighting design industry, as well as the myths and truths that every person working with lighting should take into consideration when having sustainability in focus. With no further introduction, we would like to welcome Sebastian Knoche. Hi, Sebastian. Thank you for being here with us today. Hi, and thanks for having me. Could you tell us a bit more about your background and what got you into lighting? Yeah, so as you already said, I studied physics in Dortmund and I got a PhD in soft metaphysics. So that's fairly far away from lighting and optics. Uh, but after that, I had to find a real job. And well, now I ended up in the lighting industry. Well, at heart, I'm still a bit of a scientist, I would say, trying to build mathematical models, applying them to our problems at Trilex and to do things quantitatively. So that's what physicists do. And lighting is a very interesting field for me because different sciences come together there. So now I'm working with life cycle specialists in the last project. Some time ago, I was collaborating uh, with chronobiologists. And this mix is very cool, I would say. And I get the chance to learn quite a lot of things here. I can imagine that. You are an active part of the European uh, Reprolite Research Project. Can you tell us a bit more about the aim of this project and your role in it? Yeah, so I took part on behalf of Trilux. So we are a luminaire manufacturer. And um, one of my key focus points was to, that I was trying to make sense of all the life cycle analysis data, which our collaborators from Spain, for example, generated in this project to draw the conclusions how a luminaire manufacturer can really improve the sustainability of its products. Part of the work you did was focused on identifying the environmental burdens of luminaires through their life cycle, as you just mentioned. When looking at the life cycle of luminaires and light installation, what should we take into consideration? Yeah, so our experts from Spain did a really deep life cycle analysis, and that included environmental burdens for material mining, production, use phase, and disposal, so over the complete life cycle of a luminaire. Uh, we found that there are two quite different resources that we are using. On the one hand, we have got the energy. That's what the lighting industry looked at for very long times, steadily increasing the lumens per watts and so on. But the second facet is the material usage. For each material, we have to take into account how precious this is and how much we need it and how large the world reserve is. Um, this is then measured in a metric called ADP elements. This stands for abiotic depletion potential of the elements. And 
this rates how precious the materials are. So, for example, one gram of gold is relatively high in ADP elements, whereas one gram of steel is much less significant because steel is much more common than gold. Um, and for energy, you know uh, the metric, uh, it is all called either the primary energy demand, or maybe if you prefer, you can take the global warming potential as the metric to measure the environmental burdens. So we need two views on the life cycle. On the one hand, the energy usage, and there we have 1% of the energy usage in the production phase, whereas we have 99% in the use phase. Mm. The second uh, perspective should be on the material usage. The ADP elements for the production is around 75%. For the use phase, it is 25% we found in our studies. So this use phase contribution comes from the electricity generation and the infrastructure where we still need some materials, although the luminary itself is just consuming energy, of course, in the use phase. Uh, the production phase contributions are mainly located in the electronics parts of the luminar, the LED module and the LED driver or the control gear. The mechanics, the wiring and the optics are relatively unimportant in this context. And that's the problem. So the ecological importance and the physical weight of the uh, parts just measured in kilogram are disproportionate. So this misleads our intuition. So we might think that you can just replace an LED module and a control gear, keeping the housing in continued, uh, in continued use and do something good for the environment. But when you're dis disposing of the LED module and the control gear, you are throwing away 80 to 90% of the ecologically relevant material measured in this ADP elements metric. And the conclusion should rather be, we have to keep the LED modules mm. and control mm. gears as long in use as possible. That is a very interesting uh, outcome of this project. Were there other conclusions that you came about at the end of the reprolite? Yeah, so one major conclusion is that we need to take the material efficiency into account too, as a second facet of sustainability, as I just mentioned, beside the energy efficiency. We also found that we cannot maximize both efficiency simultaneously for material and energy. We did several scenario calculations and the finding is very often to improve energy efficiency, you have to accept drawbacks for the material efficiency and the other way around. A simple example is the scenario where you regularly replace LED modules by fresh ones in order to always have the best energy efficiency. Then you generate a lot of precious waste of LED modules. Mm. And the other way around, if you are using LED modules for very long operating times, say more than 100,000 hours, they are degrading to 80, maybe 70% of their initial luminous efficacy. And so you need more energy. This is very interesting. Have you actually found where this breaking point is, where it's worth changing the LED module? Yeah, so this point or in time of maximum efficiency depends on if you're looking on the energy efficiency or material efficiency. And we found in a very simple calculation, so there are a lot of limitations on that, but that the maximum energy efficiency is... Um, obtained re uh, relatively early after maybe 13,000 hours of operation, whereas the maximum material efficiency would be obtained after 
200 or 300,000 hours of use. So we know that also uh, that life management system also contribute towards energy savings. But we also know that they also consume energy as they continuously monitor the rooms, uh, waiting to get the right cue to react. So in your opinion, when is it beneficial energy saving wise to use them? And when is it not? Mm -hmm. And to what extent can they save energy? Uh, yeah, so in our study, we found that the standby power and also that the material usage for the control system are quite negligible. So I would say that unless you have a room without any daylight, a light management system always leads to energy savings. And these are very relevant nowadays. So we have one test system in our apprenticeship workshop here in Arnsberg. And we are doing a field study there. And we have monitored the effect of the daylight sensor and the presence sensor over a whole year. And we found savings of around 25% due to daylight control and another 5% due to the presence detection. Well, the 5% for the presence detection, they are not that much in our case because it was the apprenticeship workshop where a lot of people are working. And so they are continuously going in and out. And there's always someone present nearly. In a single or double office, the effect will be much larger. But I think the 25% saving for the daylight management is quite representative. So the crucial question is, why do, you, why do we still sell lighting systems without light management? Because 25% saving is much more than you could expect from any other means, for example, from future improvements of LED efficacies, which will be much lower than this 25% uh, energy saving potential that we have in hand with light management. Um, but have you also investigated the impact that the location or latitude has on the potential savings? Uh, yes. So the geographical location, of course, influences the availability of daylight throughout the year. And we have generated a fairly general mathematical model that can take this into account and which demonstrates that savings will be higher in Spain than in Sweden, for example. Um, even more important is the regular usage time of the lighting system. So in offices that are usually occupied during the day, the savings are highest. On the other hand, in three-shift workplaces, like in the industry, the lighting system is in operation 24-7. And during the night, it has to operate at 100%, which then lowers the average savings. It is also included in our model calculations. Um, there's one aspect which is very important uh, that is not included in the models. And this is, of course, the architecture, because it influences the daylight availability. But that was out of scope in our project. And we also often hear that people get really disturbed by the continuous change of light levels um, after the daylight availability with these light management systems. Uh, in the field study you did, how did people react to the daylight and presence sensors? and um, would be maybe good if you can expand a bit on how they were also mm -hmm. set up. So in that system, we did not have any problems concerning the user acceptance. Uh, however, I can believe that in poor system setups with sensors in wrong positions and with wrong capture ranges, such an automatic system can become quite frustrating for the users. But that's more related to the presence detection, I would say. 
I am not aware of any serious problems that users complain that the light is dimming up and down due to the available daylight. So we are not doing any abrupt changes in the dimming levels in our control algorithms. And I would say the human being is quite used to slowly varying lighting levels from our experience with natural light. So what we need in order to prevent uh, the problems, for example, with uh, the presence detection is not only a light planning, but also a lighting control planning that includes the position of sensors and configuration of the light management system. There is a lot of talk about the importance of using fixtures whose LED modules and gear can be replaced. How does design for serviceability affect the use of raw materials during the production stage, or does this make products more sustainable? Yeah, so you are right. We are always quick in saying that exchangeable components improve the sustainability of our products. Uh, but in fact, one of the outcomes of Repolite was that the possibility to exchange the LED modules is not beneficial when it comes to CO2 reduction and the reduction of material usage measured in this ADP elements, which I mentioned before. For the life cycle analysis, you need to take into account the complete picture. Yeah? So to ensure replaceability, you need small amounts of extra material for your luminar design. And then you must estimate the benefits of having the option to replace an LED module. Will you really increase the usage time of the luminaire by having this option? So the crucial point lies in this balance. It depends on the failure rates that you can expect, uh, but these are fairly low for professional high-quality lighting products. And if the failure rate is too low, the benefits will not exceed the additional burdens uh, you had in the beginning. Um, and we approached this with various scenario calculations, and they showed no quantified benefits of replaceable LED modules in our application. That is currently being published also in a scientific journal. This is very interesting, especially when you say um, that only I mean, a very small amount of professional lighting fixtures uh, fail. What is the? I mean, what are the causes for this failure? Can you expand on this? Uh, yes, uh, so that was a very interesting observation. Um, so in order to find this fraction of luminaires that fail before their luminal lifetime, we analyzed a large data set from our after-sales team, where all luminaire failures of that type, so it was an industrial continuous line luminaire, were recorded. Um, there were more than 3 million luminaires in the field, and they were there since more than six years. And their failure statistics follows a viable distribution uh, that could be projected over the complete luminaire lifetime. And then we found out that only 1% of the fixtures were estimated to fail before they reached their nominal lifetime of 70,000 hours. And from the literature, it is known that the most crucial part of the luminaire is the control gear. It is responsible for 75% of the failures. And the re remaining 25% of failures is to be attributed to the rest. So to the mechanics, to the optics, the LED module, and so on. So, so the actual need to replace an LED module is very low, at least in this type of luminaire and in this type of high-quality product. Uh, it is not like having lamps like in earlier times that used to fail and to be replaced on a regular basis. This is very interesting. And how, how does this couple with the new eco-design directives? 
Can you tell us a bit more about this? Uh, yeah, so concerning the EcoDesign Directive, I think that the policymakers will enforce replaceability for most kinds of luminaires, independent from their product quality and their estimated lifetime. Uh, the topic is very complex from the technical point of view, but you simply cannot put this complexity into legislation. And thus, I would say we have to expect an EcoDesign Directive which will enforce all kinds of replaceability, although this will not make sense in any application. Mm. But does this mean that, I mean, the eco-design directives, they are like, they will require this replaceability in all fixtures. Actually, it's not really needed for the LED modules, but for the gear. Yeah, that would be my conclusion. What's the service life of a LED luminaire today? Isn't it now the biggest issue that luminaires might live much longer than what they are needed for or wanted even for? Meaning that renovation cycles are probably shorter nowadays than the service life of the fixtures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is really the crucial question uh, when you want to improve the sustainability. Uh, we found that the technical lifetime is not always the problem. Just look at the numbers. So LED luminaires have lifetimes, including all their components, so control gears, LED models, and so on, of 50,000 to 100,000 hours. So let us assume we have a luminaire with a lifetime of 70,000 hours. Depending on the application, you have different annual operating times uh, this is published by Lighting Europe uh, with, for example, 2,500 hours for office buildings uh, or 5,000 hours in shop retail applications. So then it takes up to 28 years until the technical lifetime of 70,000 hours is reached. So the refurbishment cycles where customers just want to have new interiors are probably shorter, I would say. Yeah, this is also a very interesting point because I think that nowadays, and this is what, what I think sometimes that the luminaires, you know, they will live much longer than actually what the spaces uh, will live. And what do we actually do with these old luminaires after maybe 10 years or 15 years? Do you have any reflection on this? Yeah. So what happens to the luminaires after the first life? We are currently starting a follow-up project on sustainability where we are collaborating with a recycling company and a Fraunhofer Research Institute to have a deeper look on what happens to luminaires after the first life and how we could optimally recycle or reuse them. And so maybe I can turn it around and ask you some questions because this is really one of the open questions that I still have and which is still unclear for me. So are there, for example, applications where secondhand luminaires are acceptable from your point of view as a lighting designer or as an architect? I think it's um, sort of becoming maybe more interesting, I would say, for lighting designers. I, I mean, myself, I'm very critical with our profession in a way. I think that we've been uh, spoiled in the last 10 years since the LEDs uh, came to the market. We have been in the last 10 years more used to using the latest technology all the time. Um, but I think that now we are, yeah, we have to face other issues uh, that are not related only to technology, but also um, the environmental uh, burden of the luminaires. So I'm, I've, I've had uh, projects where we are using um, 
luminaires that are upcycled or luminaires are even out of the catalog of some manufacturers and that lie on the, um, their storage rooms. So they basically are destined to, to die in the storage room and to be maybe recycled or trashed. Um, and I think that it's about now the time to generate these new opportunities for lighting designers to use uh, luminaires that are maybe not on the first line of production and not the latest technology and sort of find the compromises. But I can see also that from the client point of view, even if they have an interest maybe on using a secondhand or upcycle luminaires or luminaires are out of catalog, um, that it's a bit complicated to, I mean, there's no such a market, I would say, yet. Just a few manufacturers maybe work with the upcycle luminaires. We had another project, for example, where they had to waste a lot of uh, old fixtures um, that they couldn't use. They couldn't upcycle because of warranty issues. Um, so it would mean a big investment for them, but then nobody was going to take responsibility for what if they fail in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think we need more business models, basically, that take this into account. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see that there will be some problems concerning reliability and warranty mm. things and so on. Uh, but I also have the impression maybe there are applications where robust and really high quality secondhand luminaires would even be preferred over cheap, low quality products. Do you think there could be something like that? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, and I think that is also on us as a specialist, um, you know, to put always uh, quality first, um, but also when it comes to, you know, if there are products that maybe still work pretty fine. I mean, we are talking for luminaires that have, uh, I mean, work for 28 years. That's a very long lifetime. And, um, and as we said, I mean, like if they are capable of keeping the quality to some extent, I think that they should be used, of course, especially if, if the, the other alternative would be low quality products. But of course, it has to do also with um, the look of the luminaires. I think that now we have come maybe to sort of a more balanced uh, moment in uh, luminaire design, um, where actually luminaires look pretty much the same everywhere, <laughs> I would say. I mean, you have the linear luminaires, you have the downlights and they don't change so much in, in, in size or in look. I mean, talking about for general lighting, not um, decorative lighting, of course. But I think there is some market there for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's an interesting observation that we should pay focus or pay more attention on this timeless design instead of a contemporary design yeah. for the product. Totally. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, so. But why are LED luminaires disposed of actually? So right now, have you had any projects where you as a lighting designer had to replace an old LED uh, lighting system by a new LED lighting system? Um, so what is the customer's reason to replace LED luminaires? Well, I have not had any project where we had to replace LED luminaires. I think still the replacement goes towards uh, fluorescent uh, fixtures. Um, so not LED really, but I'm sure that there might be projects like that where they actually, I mean, I could see in front of me that maybe in a couple of years there will be, you know, um, 
LED fixtures that maybe create too much glare. I mean, uh, the more research comes out and the more we talk about lighting, the more people start noticing when they are in a bad lit environment. So, uh, and that is also part of my hope um, that people will be more sensitive to, you know, raising a flag and saying like, hey, I'm working in a space that is not well lit. Whether that is LED or fluorescence, we don't know, but it's a part of the design question. Why can't we design or can you design luminaires that live a shorter time with less material to have less climate uh, impact on the material usage, but they live maybe 10 years or 15 years? I think that would be possible. One design parameter, for example, is the amount of LEDs that you are using in the luminaires. The fewer LEDs you are using, uh, the higher is the current through one LED and the more will be the aging of one LED. And then you get to shorter lifetimes, but also to shorter material usage for the luminaire. So in principle, that would be possible if we can know the lifetime that is really required for the luminaire. That could be an interesting aspect to include in the design. I mean, if one has... You know, if you have the information that, okay, we are designing a restaurant and this restaurant will be completely, you know, refurbished after six years or after eight years, then you can plan to have luminaries that actually will live that life um, and sort of think about the materials you are using for that specific lifetime instead of putting, you know, too much more uh, energy and uh, producing a fixture that would last three times uh, that lifetime. Yeah, that is, that is true. Another alternative, I guess, also is this uh, initiative of uh, this new business model of selling light as a service, which could also be a good way to reduce the life cycle impact of the lighting system. What do you think of that? Um, yes, and this could be an important part of increasing the sustainability. However, that's also not simple. So taking into account that our luminaires might last up to 28 years and seeing that light as a service customers uh, prefer short contract durations of maybe five years, we must make sure that luminaires are kept in use after their first life, maybe for, for even five uh, contract cycles. Um, so doing something as a service does not guarantee that the life cycle impacts are reduced. Um, have a look at smartphones, for example. There are people in contracts that run over two years, and after that, they get a new smartphone. Uh, this would be quite close to uh, this something as a service approach. On the other hand, if you observe uh, people who have to buy a smartphone for maybe 800 euros, uh, on your own, um, these people might be willing to use it for much longer than two years. So uh, doing something as a service is often mentioned as part of the circular economy, but it does not guarantee a lower environmental impact. But life as a service would at least lead to the situation that we can get back our luminaires after the first life. So currently, we just don't know where they are going and we don't get them back to do something useful and sustainable with them. Yeah, I guess that with this also, you have to generate the other part of this business model, which is like having clients interested in using those luminaires after five years that don't want always the, the latest technology, but can accept, as we discussed before, to use a luminaire that maybe is five years old. Yes, exactly. 
so that you can keep these contracts running? Um, there needs to be some sort of motivation, like you said, Isabel, um, for the clients to use uh, this as a service, um, to be included in a sort of a certification system or yeah, something like that, I would say, maybe as a motivation for them to use it. Um, but at, also at the moment, it looks like improving the design of the luminaries, uh, trying to reduce the raw materials seems to be the first and most efficient way to reduce the environmental impact of fixtures during the production. Um, if you would make a list of priorities, um, will this be number one? Uh, and what comes after that? Well, the first priority would still be to increase the energy efficiency by all means, because we have seen that 99% of the CO2 emissions are generated in the use phase and not in the production phase. And also to use light management systems or technologies like constant light output in order to generate further energy savings in the use phase. And I, I would say that your point of material efficiency is the second priority. And you're right that currently the most reasonable focus is to reduce the material as much as possible in the luminaire. And the third priority will then be evaluated in our follow-up project on sustainability. Um, can we optimize the luminaire design for easier recycling or for a second use maybe? In order to identify the optimization targets, however, we must still... Uh, get a very good picture of what happens to the luminaire after their first life. And that is still unclear uh, right now. Um, and as you said, the energy consumption over the lifetime of a luminaire is by far the most important factor that contributes to the CO2 emissions during operation. Shouldn't this put well-planned lighting, including daylight optimization and lighting designers, as the best problem solvers of this issue? Yes, definitely. I think that's a good summary of all I said concerning the energy use. And I really don't understand why we don't do this right now. The technology like lighting management systems is available, but we are relatively slow in bringing them into application. Maybe the customers think, well, compared to our old luminaires, we are already saving so much energy. Why should I even bother? Um, but I hope that the comparison with these conventional luminaires will die out in the near future, giving a much clearer perspective on how to further improve LED lighting system. And this is, as you said, by good light planning and also by light management systems. Yes, and also adding to that, um, we know also that the carbon dioxide impact clearly depends on how the energy is produced in that specific location. Can you expand on this point? Uh, yes, of course. So this depends on the grid mix. So in countries like Sweden, you have a lot of renewable energy resources and thus uh, low CO2 emissions per kilowatt hour of consumed electricity. In Germany, we are also on a good way. Um, in France, for example, they seem to be already better on the paper, but that's because they are relying on nuclear energy to a large extent, which has no CO2 emissions, but other problematic uh, emissions, as we all know. But in all these cases, uh, the use phase of the luminaire dominates, and it's just a question of how much CO2 is produced per kilowatt hour of consumed electricity. To all lighting designers uh, listening this episode, uh, if you will make a list of uh, priority actions, um, what should lighting designers take into consideration to design uh, more sustainable spaces? 
Uh, yeah, so I dare to say that the influence of the lighting designer on the sustainability of the lighting system is very huge. So unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of discussions in this direction in Repolite. And that's also something we are doing in our follow-up project, where we try to focus more on how luminaires are brought into application and took out of application again and what happens to them afterwards. So the prior one action would be maybe to get in contact with me uh, to do more discussions and research on how we can really improve the sustainability from the perspective of the lighting designer. So this is still something which is unclear for me. So, but starting there, maybe I can ask you a question as a lighting designer. So what product features are indicative for high sustainability right now from your lighting designer's perspective? Is it primarily the efficacy in lumen per watt or do you care about materials? Are you aware of the high ecological impact of the electronics? So the LED modules and the driver? Um, do you require exchangeability of parts maybe? Or will you or your client really use the, uh, the option to replace parts? So what is your opinion and the opinion of your clients? For me, my opinion, it's been maybe two years or two and a half years that I ask um, the manufacturers when they present products uh, to tell us a bit more about, I mean, how the production of their luminaires looks like and where, where do they get the materials from? Like if it comes from China or if it comes from the third world countries or if they are produced in Europe and so on. Of course, it's uh, tricky with the LED chips. But also thinking about uh, fair production and also transport. And I think a lot about these issues, actually, when I choose a luminaire. I think that um, maybe a few years back, you know, if you had two luminaires that maybe performed in the same way, you will probably look or pick the one that look the nicest, maybe, or the fitted in an aesthetic way, uh, best the project. But now I'm, uh, I mean, I'm willing to, to compromise more with the design. If it's a luminaire that is more, you know, um, effective or that has a better sort of uh, production process and that it doesn't come from, you know, the other side of the world. Uh, going back to, yeah, to that question about the clients, I think they are not there yet. Um, I think that our profession is still pretty young, at least here in, uh, in Sweden, even if it has existed for many years, but we are still, I mean, to most of them, uh, we are still seen as an add-on. Um, so <laughs> I think that the clients don't really have a point of view on these issues yet. They are thinking about uh, other issues like having solar panels on the roof of their buildings, but not really looking so much in detail into uh, this uh, small scale of the fixtures themselves. So circularity, LCA and sustainability have all become buzzwords in our field. And our feeling is that all these concepts might end up like the human-centric light concept that became more of a selling buzzword than what it intended to be at the start. What needs to change at a manufacturer and design level for sustainability to settle as a new normal instead of being something we say we take into consideration, but at the end, we continue to work as before? Mm -hmm. So that is also my observation that sustainability is often used as a marketing slogan. 
And this is then just called greenwashing. Uh, in this uh, European research project, Retrolight, we saw that there are so many open questions. So there are even more open questions that we didn't even mention today, for example, on the use of plastics or if bioplastics are a reasonable alternative to plastics. So compared with human-centric lighting, I think that the topic of sustainability is getting a much broader attention nowadays, which will drive a real change. So this attention was missing for human-centric lighting. But to conclude, I really believe that we still need more people asking the right questions and less people selling their opinions as the ultimate solutions. And in the end, the only solution might be that we all limit our consumer behavior. Um, and there's one really inspiring quote I would like to share with you. It is from Ruari O'Brien, and I heard him say it on the LPS in Bregenz in 2019. He said, everything that is loved is sustainable. And I think that's not only important for the lighting industry. It is something that everyone can respect in his everyday consumer behavior. Don't buy cheap interim solutions that you would just dispose when you don't want it anymore. Buy high quality products that are worth to be repaired if they break and that are worth to be resold when you don't want it anymore for any reason. I think that is one of the key points to improve the sustainability, not only of the lighting business, but of many other topics of our everyday life. I think this was a wonderful conclusion to to this talk, actually. Um, we have a final question that we ask all our guests, um, which is to tell us about your, your favorite uh, light memory. And it can be a moment in your life, an experience or a luminaire. So, Sebastian, tell us about your favorite light moment you have experienced. Oh, well... Um... I'm not really prepared on that question. Um, if I if I remember back the times, I, I think uh, it was definitely before I was active in the lighting industry. I think I, I think my favorite lighting moment would have something to do with soap bubbles. Uh, as a child, seeing them these uh, colorful uh, uh, soap bubbles and and these all these effects which you can see on them, and maybe this was also one of the motivations uh, to start my studies in physics instead of becoming a mechanical engineer as I uh, first wanted to do, uh, because I, I, I thought there are so many more things to explore in the nature. And yeah, so I, I think I would name this the observation of, so of soap bubbles, uh, my favorite uh, lighting moment. Yeah. Both lighting and physics. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, and in fact, uh, soap bubbles are not that far away from the topic on which I did my PhD thesis. Uh, yeah, so you can do quite a lot of research in these kinds of systems, although uh, they might look fairly simple from the outside. Like everything in nature that looks very simple from the outside, yeah. but is very complex in the inside. That's true. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for your time and for sharing with us all this valuable information in this episode. You're welcome.
Thank you for listening and stay posted for the upcoming interviews on our website sliningdesign.com.